0: Dollhouse by Sir It fell. She couldn't hold it. It fell differently from the real thing. This chair, white painted oak, was the exact 1 to 16 replica of furniture in some mansion in Georgia. And it fell. She sat down and started to cry. Weeks and weeks of work. For years she had gone through the pages of dollhouse catalogues. They were piled up next to the chimney many of the houses costing half her monthly salary. And now, when she had locked herself up since a week to finalize the house, as she told herself, to place the curtains, to arrange the furniture, she couldn't set them at their places. The chairs and tables and the little vases had come with it to her surprise. They had not been visible on the catalogue pictures. She would have noticed them, as often as she scrawled through that particular catalogue with colonial American mansions. As far as they could be from the style of the Belgian brick house in the gritty Brussels suburb she lived in with her son. Her house was the almost last one in the street with a fritour which was only open during her office hours, and a funerary home at the other end of the street. When she had visited the house five years ago, she had not noticed it. She had liked the house with the light brown window frames and the door with glass inlays. Inside, it had looked quite like their old house, so she told herself that not much energy and money had to be spent on furnishing it. So when they had moved in, she felt almost after a week as if they had been living forever in there. She had chosen the the places of the furniture differently from the setup proposed by the producers of the dollhouse, she didn't trust them. They were not interested, as she was in observing the tiny life through all windows. They didn't know what she knew. They just wanted her to buy the house. But what happened afterwards, what would happen in the house, they didn't know. When the curtains were drawn, the next morning when she came into the room and said loudly, good morning, the furniture would not be any more at the place where she had said it. This was at least what had happened with her other three dollhouses. They had been much more modest in size and complexity. None of them could compare to this one. A true Georgian mansion she often imagined being flanked by wonderful green trees and inhabited by a big household of plantation owners. Her other dollhouses had been basic middle-class two-story houses. They were lacking the elaborate and winding corridors as well as the golden staircase, with the big luster hanging in the middle. She had chosen the places for the furniture to be able to observe the tiny life through all the windows. She pushed the chair past the couch and the fragile orange-green Tiffany lamp, and every single time something else would move out of place, sometimes even the vase in the master bedroom on the upper level. She heard him singing from downstairs. He made his breakfast at four o'clock in the afternoon. Breakfast, dinner, lunch, the same. He hadn't gone to school since three years, not since the first midterm reports had come out at his new school, which had described him basically as a hopeless case with a lot of anger. They had had so many expectations. She shook her head, and when he didn't look, she dried her tears. A period of numbness had followed. At least that was what she had felt. She could only imagine about him because he wouldn't talk with her. Every morning when she had left for work she had opened his door a bit looked at his dark curly hair and said cheerfully have a nice day Lenny. When she came home at six he often sat on the sofa chewing on the cornflakes with that long lasting cheaper milk and watching documentaries always in his grey sweatpants every day in his Star Wars t-shirt. Hey, Mom. Hey, Lenny. She had given up a long time ago asking him to do something, to work, to study. She was just very tired. Every now and then a dream had popped up in the past, when he still had been in school until three years ago. Usually it was a dream those other boys had, with 16. The boys who didn't have the curly African hair from a long-lost father and the broad nose and the plump body of a Belgian farmer and a fleeting chin. The boys who had gone with their parents for holidays to southern France and skiing in Austria. A lawyer, a doctor, she didn't dare to think further, didn't accompany any more any of his dreams. She was too afraid that after one of the dreams failed, there would be nothing more anymore one day. Nothing or just despair. The bouts of anger which erupted in him didn't leave her unscathed. He had beaten her up. The first time with 16, she had been already much shorter than he was, and she was tall. She had laughed at him when he had requested money for new sneakers. With her salary as an assistant, they lived well. European organizations paid well, but there was not enough money to buy these shoes for him without saving. He had looked at her, full of hatred, clenched his fists, and suddenly she had felt a sharp pain in her face. She had been too surprised to localize the point immediately where he had hit her. And then it started to burn, and her left eye started to pulsate, and she saw only red, and then nothing anymore. He had fully hit her left eye, it swelled, and what had been her eyebrow became black and blue overnight, he hadn't spoken. The next time she called the police. They took him and the prosecutor requested three weeks of jail for him, youth prison. In the end, she withdrew all accusations. She couldn't send her son to jail. The light became faint, rays shone through the tiny holes in her old curtains and hit the dollhouse. Her fingers pressed through the window and tried again to place the chair at the dinner table, at the top of the table where the father of the household would be sitting. She switched the light on in the kitchen. She had moved the kitchen table, which served as her workplace, closer to the window. From here she could see the cars parking in front of the house and the neighbors walking their dogs. They used to eat their meals at this table, since Lenny had come back to her after he had lived with her sister for one year. He finally had been sent to jail for two weeks when he had threatened the neighbor with a knife and had sliced... Tires open in a run of rage after the neighbor kids had called him nigger one night. This had been a word he had been used to since primary school. After his time in jail, she hadn't wanted him anymore in her house. She just couldn't do it anymore. It was not the stares of the neighbors and their hostility. It was the sadness, the feeling of having lost a battle for her child against someone. And her sister took him into her apartment in the city center, where his skin color and hair would not be subject to curiosity or insults. But also there he lived as he had done with her, no change in his daily rhythm. She first had felt relief and then guilt. She was the only person he had. How could she just leave him in the streets? Well, not really the streets, but something like that. Then something happened at her sister's house, neither of them ever told her, just that it was not possible anymore for him to live there. The evening after her sister had sent her the message, she called him on his mobile phone, for which she still paid the monthly contract. He picked up, astonished, yeah, you can come home. That was it, she finished the call and sat down, deeply breathing, as if she had feared that somebody else would pick up the phone. He came in the afternoon, with his sports bag in the hand and with a book. It was wrapped. He left it on the kitchen table and said, for you. Then he went to his room. She was afraid to open it, but what bad could it be? She had offered her son a home. He could not be angry. She opened it, and it had a yellow cover with the sun on it. There was still the sticker from Le Petit Rien. The used items and bookstore, where she often went to look for wood and other material. It was a book about yoga and meditation. She sat down without words. Soon their old rhythm started as if there had never been a prison, with one difference. She stopped preparing hot meals at home. She never even asked anymore if he wanted to join for dinner or breakfast. She hadn't prepared, in fact, any meal for him out of fear to make him angry about something or just because she didn't feel they belonged to each other anymore. She tried to eat her meals in the office or on the way home so that she would only keep coffee, milk, biscuits and cereal at home. None of it counted really as food to her and she often wondered how he could survive on such a diet. But he kept his plump statue and his grey sweatpants and if her refusal to prepare meals or even just to go shopping for him angered him, he didn't let her see that. The last rays wandered off the dollhouse, some of the chairs had finally been placed, just one more, and the tiny family, and everything would be in order.